This is Solidarity News on Radio Labour. This is a Radio Labour World Report recorded on Friday, February 26, 2021. I'm Mark Boulanger. In the report this week, a UK Supreme Court ruling against Uber could have effects in many other countries. Labour condemns the military coup in Myanmar supporting unionists in Hong Kong during the crackdown by Beijing. The Labour Start report about union events and singing. Young man, we all need unity, I ask young man, don't you want security? I say woman, you're the force that we need to fight in justice for our rights. This is Radio Labour. In the United Kingdom recently, the country's Supreme Court ruled on the employment status of Uber drivers. Uber argues that its drivers are independent contractors, not employees. The labor movement says that they are because of the rules and regulations they have to abide by. To find out how the ruling could affect workers in the UK, I talked to Ruan Subasinga. Mr. Subasinga is the legal director of the International Transport Workers Federation, the ITF. I asked him about the ruling of the UK court. This case basically centered on two drivers, uh, Yasin Aslam and James Farah, who are the lead claimants in this case, who took Uber to court on behalf of a group of 23 other drivers claiming that they are workers. And... Uh, Worker status is the intermediary category between employee and the self-employed under English law. And worker status basically requires a contract for services. And it's still a form of self-employment, but one that guarantees fundamental workers' rights like the minimum wage, holiday pay, and protection against discrimination. And the workers won in the uh, Employment Tribunal, which is the court of first instance for employment claims in the U.K., But, of course, Uber appealed, and the Supreme Court uh, really represented the fourth and final time Uber could argue that their drivers are self-employed partners rather than workers. However, the unanimous decision of the Supreme Court was that it agreed with the Employment Tribunal, the Employment Appeal Tribunal, and the Court of Appeal that drivers are workers rather than self-employed independent contractors. Now... Again, I think it's important to highlight that this was a unanimous decision with no judges dissenting. And the fact that the Supreme Court reiterated the, um, the level of control Uber has over its drivers by uh, setting fares, by having the power to deactivate drivers who don't accept rides, by using the rating given to drivers to manage their performance, and so on. And I think that a really important part of the judgment was that the Supreme Court basically guided lower courts to actually look at the working arrangements themselves as opposed to relying on contract language that would purport to classify drivers as independent contractors. And in doing this, they held that the purpose of employment protection legislation is precisely to protect workers who are paid too little for the work that they do, work who work excessive hours, so on and so forth. And I think that this is particularly important when we you know, bear in mind the gig economy and the situation gig workers are placed in. And one final point, and I think this is also a critical one, is that the Supreme Court agreed with the Employment Tribunal that working time 
extend to periods when the drivers are logged into the Uber app and not only when they're carrying passengers. And this, of course, is huge if you consider the amount of time uh, drivers have to cruise uh, looking for passengers. So overall, uh, a pretty um, um, incredible ruling from the UK Supreme Court. Are there implications for workers in other countries? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I certainly say so. The crux of it is, is that the jurisprudence of UK courts and especially the Supreme Court are relied on by courts in, uh, in Commonwealth countries um, and beyond. We've already seen colleagues in Kenya, New Zealand and South Africa highlighting their, uh, their eagerness to bring claims at the national level. And, of course, this UK Supreme Court decision does not sit in isolation. We also had the French Supreme Court rule that Uber drivers are employees last year. So we're, we're really seeing a pendulum swing towards the protection of worker rights in the gig economy by courts of last instance in a number of countries. And this will also have a big impact on upcoming re- regulatory initiatives on the gig economy, for example, in the European Union. So the timing couldn't be better. And yes, absolutely, this ruling will have major implications for workers in other countries. The international labor movement is condemning the actions of governments in Myanmar, where there has been a military coup, and Hong Kong, where the Beijing government is attacking democracy activists. The International Trade Union Confederation is calling on unionists to help build pressure on the two governments. The ITUC is the global body which represents national union centers, such as the Ghana Trades Union Congress and the AFL-CIO in the United States. The General Secretary of the ITUC TUC is Sharon Burrow. Today we stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Myanmar, indeed all the people of Myanmar who fought so hard over so many decades for the journey to democracy, the right to elect their own government. Military rule is vicious, it's violent, it's oppressive, and we are seeing it one more time on the streets of Myanmar today. Protesters, workers, students being shot with bullets, unconscionable, and of course arrested and detained simply for exercising their fundamental right to freedom of assembly, freedom of association and freedom of speech. The coup cannot stand. We cannot have a military leadership taking away the hopes and the dreams of people who just want democratic rights and freedoms. We call on governments, international institutions to do more, to make it clear to the military leadership they will not be recognised, that the elected government must be able to form a government. And indeed, we need to know that the military will not be able to do business target their enterprises. Every company must do the due diligence. Every government must look at withdrawing any support. No investment, no business with military and their enterprises. The leaders of this coup, it's all about power and their own greed. Let's stop it in their tracks. The situation in Hong Kong has become quite dangerous for all democracy activists, but especially for trade unionists. For example, the General Secretary of the Hong Kong Confederation of Trade Unions, Lee Chuk Yan, has been arrested a number of times and faces long prison terms. Here again is Ms. Burrow. 
We're very proud of the democratic movements, the union activists in Hong Kong, the courage, the tenacity of our trade unions who are in fact fighting for a future where democratic rights and freedoms sit at the heart of the decent work and the freedoms to live their lives that people want. The oppression must end. Our brother Lee Chuk Young is facing nine charges and indeed other activists have been arrested for simply exercising their freedom of association, their right to freedom of speech and political protest. It must end. Today, take action. We're sending a message of love and solidarity to Lee and all the other brothers and sisters. We absolutely stand in awe of your courage. We stand with you and we will be there through the fight for a Hong Kong that respects democratic rights and freedoms. You can take action. Send a letter, take a photograph, send it as a postcard to Hong Kong. All the activities are on our website. Stand today in solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Hong Kong. They deserve every support we can give them. Solidarity. More information about the situations in Myanmar and Hong Kong can be found on the ITUC website at ituc-csi.org. Here with his report about union events is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Each day, Labor Start's volunteers collect hundreds of news items about the struggles of workers and their unions from around the world in 36 languages. Here's a small sample of all of their hard work. Our top stories section included links to coverage of the mind-boggling levels of wage theft in the garment industry around the world, McDonald's Restaurant's global secret surveillance program that targets labor activists, and this week's general strikes in Myanmar and South Africa. The emerging trend in our news coverage this week is the unveiling of trade union programs for a post-pandemic economic recovery. Underlying all the policy proposals unions are putting forward is the need for this recovery, unlike the one that followed the 2008 financial sector meltdown, to be worker-focused. Government policies for the 2009 recovery almost exclusively provided massive support for financial institutions and little for workers and their communities. An increasingly common component of the positions being taken by trade unions is a move to a four-day workweek. The Icelandic labor movement is already making progress on this front. Across Europe, unions are pressing the issue, and in some countries like Spain, it appears to be gaining some traction. The concept has appeared suddenly in our coverage of Latin American trade unions as well, and some labor-friendly non-governmental organizations in sub-Saharan Africa and in parts of Asia are proposing reduced work time as a way to support workers and at the same time promote an economic recovery based on consumption rather than subsidies to big business. For our Working Women pages, our volunteers found news of the expansion of the British Labour Movement's Domestic Abuse Workplace Champions Program, the struggle for equality being waged by Maori women nurses in New Zealand, plans for international Women's Day events from around the world, and why the mechanization of tea plantations in Kenya is hitting women workers harder than others.
The free health and safety newswire we offer in cooperation with Hazards Magazine carried stories about the problems with a Canadian investigation into migrant workers' living and working conditions during the pandemic, more police deaths in South Africa, and the guilty plea registered by the man accused in the murder of a Maltese journalist who was investigating political corruption. Our photo of the week is of a rally organized by trade unions in Iceland where the labor movement is pushing for a four-day work week as part of a program for that country's economic recovery. Current campaigns that we are running at the request of unions around the world include an urgent appeal for online solidarity with platform-based gig workers in Israel. Look for details of this and other campaigns on our site. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here is Union Nation with UNION. is a production of the International Association of Machinists, the IAM. And that's it. International labor news you can use. You can find our features and daily newscasts at radiolabor.net. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.